Bringing you the latest research, tools, and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy. It's Talk Healthy Today. Here's Lisa Davis. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening. You know, as a girl, as a woman, we can do anything we put our mind to, which is fantastic. However, we need to be careful about pushing our girls too hard, being sensitive to what's going on in the environment, looking at social media, looking at all the pressure, looking at popularity in colleges, etc. And in Rachel Simmons' new book, which is fantastic, Enough As She Is, How to Help Girls Move Beyond Impossible Standards of Success to Live Healthy, Happy, and Fulfilling Lives, she explains it all. Hello, Rachel. Welcome to It's Your Hello. Health. Thank you. Well, it's so nice to have you on the program. You know, having a daughter myself, I get concerned about these things. And of course, we want to teach our girls, you know, to succeed and to do their best. But there's a difference between that and pushing, right? If you look up the definition of a a tiger mom, I'm like, you'd have to like, I guess there'd have to be like an opposite. I'm like as far off from that as you can humanly get. But let's talk about this. What what do you see as some of the primary issues? And tell us what you talk about for people who haven't read it, and they should in enough as she is. Um, Well, there's a lot of different things going on for girls than when you and I were teenagers. I mean, one of them is that We've given girls more opportunities than they've ever had before. The problem is we have not let go of some of the old school expectations. So we're saying to girls, you know, you can do anything. You can be an engineer. You can build a robot. You can go into fields that you really weren't where you weren't before. But we didn't say to them, you don't need to have a bikini body. We haven't said to them, like, you don't need to worry about being liked by everyone and pleasing everyone. And so the combination of these older expectations that you and I grew up with, with the new expectations, it's creating what psychologists call role overload, which is too many roles for one person to play. And it's one of the reasons why girls are reporting anxiety and stress and depression at more than twice the rate of boys. Wow. See, that's really scary. And I think we need to talk about this because I have a friend who was telling me the other day, actually, about her 16-year-old daughter and how anxious and stressed. And she said, I'm not even pushing her. I don't even understand where this is coming from. So I told you, you have to read enough as she is. (laughs) Uh, I'm so glad you brought this up, Lisa, because I actually wrote an article recently in the Washington Post about how we really have to stop telling our kids that they put too much pressure on themselves, which is probably what your friend was about to say, right? She was like, I don't know where I'm being cool, like I'm not pressuring her, why is she so upset? And the problem with thinking that it's our kids who are putting the pressure on themselves is that there's an implied message that, hey, if you could just chill out, everything would be fine, when in fact our kids every day leave our houses and go out into this world that is constantly putting all of these outsized expectations on them. So even if we are creating like a spa-like environment in our homes, you know, all they have to do is log onto Instagram and feel that sense of, oh, God, I'm not enough as I am. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. That is such a huge thing. Uh, You know, I was the skinny, awkward, gawky teen who couldn't get a boyfriend to save her life and didn't fit in. And social media would have destroyed me. You know, I mean, really, like, (laughs) probably. Oh, my God, me too. And right now, at this particular moment, it's spring break for a lot of kids. And every time I open my Instagram, I see these bikini pictures of all of these girls who are, you know, lucky enough to go somewhere warm. Yes. And I think to myself exactly like you, like, if I were in eighth grade or 10th grade, I would have felt horrible. I've never worn a bikini in my life. And so one of the things that I found in researching this book is that actually these posts of their friends, not even like celebrity bodies, but it's the posts of their friends that are often inspiring body shame and a sense of I'm not good enough physically. 
the research shows, actually, that I talk a lot about in the book is that it's not, it's not that social media itself is so bad. It's how girls use it. And so one of the things we, I really encourage parents to say to girls is, listen, if you're not feeling good about yourself, that's not a good time to log on to Instagram because it's invariably going to create feelings of insecurity. And you can't compare how you feel inside genuinely to the perfect images you're going to see on the outside online. And there's all kinds of advice like that in the book that is not designed to make kids feel bad about using social media, but to teach them wise, wiser ways of using it. Let's talk about fat talk. You have that in the book. And that is something, too, where you were talking about at any high school or middle school you go to, you're going to hear the girls in the bathroom, I'm so gross, I'm so fat. And you say, when I hear a girl use fat talk, I imagine it as a muscle she is flexing. It's the same muscle she flexes when she says, I totally failed that test. Uh, I'm not sure this is right. It's a muscle of self-defeat. Yes. Um, and I think this is the kind of thing that a lot of us sort of say, oh, yeah, that's just how girls are. They, you know, say these kind of self-deprecating things. But actually, there's a couple things to say about this. One is that they often learn it from us, their moms, right? They might hear us say something like, oh, I didn't go to the gym today. Like, I can't eat that. Or I was bad today because I ate something that I shouldn't have eaten. And so, first of all, they learn it from us. And then, yeah, secondly, as you say, there's a way in which you start to believe these things over and over again. I also think that if you are constantly putting yourself down, it becomes much more difficult to access and certainly express what you're good at. And don't we want our daughters to have access to their strengths and their gifts and not to habitually say, like, I'm not good enough? Yeah, it's so true. And that's why I always say to moms, you got to watch what you say. You really do. Because it oh can, my God, yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. So I mean, it's, we, I think we, I think as parents, we're always like, oh, you know, my kid used to imitate me and curse, you know, she said a curse word when she was in preschool. Sure. And, <laughs> you know, we, we think that they stop imitating us, certainly because they're rolling their eyes at us half the time. Um, but, you know, I think they're absolutely still watching us and we are still scripting them, which, I mean, I don't want to make parents feel like they're constantly being monitored, but a little bit we're constantly being monitored. <laughs> you know, you also talk about the book, uh, The New Rules of Stress Culture. There are five unwritten rules girls carefully follow to manage their stress and relate to others. I kind of feel like this is everybody. Being overwhelmed is a new normal. Stress is equated with worthiness and productivity. If you're happy, it must mean you're not working. If you're happy, it must mean you're not working hard enough. Don't share your good news with peers. Don't burden your peers with your own stress because that might stress them out. That's a problem, too, of parents acting that way and then their kids picking up on it. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm so glad you brought this up. And in general, as I've taken this book around the country for the last month, I've had all these moms coming up to me saying, listen, this book is about me. It's exactly. It's so about my daughter. <laughs> so absolutely, it's about um, all of us. And I, But I do think that there's something quite new about young people feeling that if they're not busy all the time, there's something wrong with them. And we have to step in as parents and say, listen, you need downtime. You need to play. Partly because if this is how they get in the habit of engaging in work, honestly, they're going to get very burned out at a very young age. And many of them go to college, and that's where they become exhausted. That's where they become um, often anxious, really, really anxious and depressed away from home. So it's important when, you're, when your kid lives with you, try to really encourage those healthier habits of self-care. And by the way, by self-care, I don't mean like an ice cream sundae, sure. which like a lot of girls are like, I'm going to self-care with a gallon of ice cream. Yeah. Like actual <laughs> genuine self-care we can all be happy about. You know, it's funny when you brought up the self-care and the ice cream, you know, there, as a health educator, and this is such a, a hard line, 
I, I teach my daughter about healthy eating and healthy living. It's not about being fat or not. That never comes into it. But it's more like, I don't want to eat that crap because it's full of artificial colors and that's not good for you. And it's not good for your body. But it's tough sometimes because I think if you, you don't want to get them worried about being fat, but you need to get them concerned about being healthy. You see, that, Yeah, and that's right? such a, it's a hard line to walk, but you're exactly right that it's so much more important to talk with them about their relationship to food as it serves their health and, by extension, like as it serves their ability to fulfill their goals. So it's like if you're eating things that we know are going to make you tired, how is that going to interfere with your ability to like do really well in sports? When we tell girls that food and um, what they put into their bodies is there to serve their bodies, not serve other people and what they think of their bodies, that's a much healthier approach. Um, and you're much less likely to get that, why are you criticizing me? Do you think I'm fat reaction? Yeah, I think so, too, because that's something that, you know, as a health educator, and as a parent, I think is really, really important. So how do we talk to our kids about this cultural moment? Because we don't want to say, okay, just put your phones down or, oh, she's just photoshopped. Although, actually, I do think that's important. I have said that to my girl. So now when she looks at images, she'll be like, you know, mommy, she doesn't really look like that. <laughs> or she yes, does actually, kind of. A hundred percent. Like, you do want to cultivate exactly that kind of critical literacy yeah. in your kid, right? I mean, absolutely. Just the way that we have done often with around television and movies, right? We've taught our kids to say, that's not really a realistic body. Yeah. We need to do the same with social media without telling our girls that social media is the worst thing ever, because that's a really quick way to lose your kid's connection on that. Um, but, but in a bigger sense, to answer your question, I think what we have to do is say to our kids, listen, Something really messed up is going on right now in the culture around what people are expecting of teenagers and kids in general. And to say to them, I, we don't, and to say as a family, you know, we want you to go to a good school, we want you to do well, and there are parts about what we see you going through that we're not okay with. And so I think you say to your kid and you try to talk back with her to some of the most toxic messages that she's getting. For example, you can say to her, look, Nobody can be amazing at everything they do, which is, of course, what she's being told to be. And you say to her, in fact, if you try to be amazing at everything you do, you're never going to learn how to make mistakes. And you need to learn how to do that. And you certainly need to learn how to do that before you leave the house and go off to college if that's where your kid will be going. Um, and so we have to kind of articulate our own values as a family to say, here's how we define success, and then make that actionable. Ask yourself as a parent, you know, what does it look like for me? How will I talk to my kid? What will I ask her to do that reflects our family's values against what we're hearing from the culture? Maybe it's, I'm not, I don't think you should take five APs this year, right? I think you should take three because I don't believe in you being overwhelmed. So you have to think about what are my values and how can I express those values in the way I parent my child around her own um, drive for success they're taking 20 credits and they think that it's completely normal to take five or six classes at a time and um and that's because of those rules of stress they believe this is normal and it's our job as adults to say listen this isn't normal and i don't want you to do it it's not good for you more to come with our guest dr vidge but first i want to talk about something that i love liquid iv liquid iv fuels tough workouts it helps prevent cramping and fatigue it is for the health conscious everyday athlete. I absolutely love it because there's nothing artificial is made from clean ingredients. And here is some pretty exciting news. It provides the same hydration as drinking two to three bottles of water. Yes, two to three bottles of water. So just put this in your water, shake it up or mix it up, drink it. It tastes great. It's great for before and after your workout. 
It really is a fabulous invention. It also contains five essential vitamins, including more vitamin C than an orange and as much potassium as a banana. So what I want you to do, because I love Liquid IV, and I know you will too, if you go to liquid-iv.com, that's liquid-iv.com, you'll get 20% off. Just use the code TALKHEALTHY at checkout. That's right, 20% off anything you order on Liquid IV's website, liquid-iv.com, promo code TALKHEALTHY. Don't wait, get hydrated today. Well, in the book, in the introduction, I like I love how you write, our culture is pummeling girls with toxic messages about success, and we are bearing witness to an epidemic of stress that is consuming young women from the inside. It has quietly become a mental health crisis for them, their schools, and their families, one that will only worsen if we don't sound the alarm. One thing I want to point out around these toxic messages of success is that they also have consequences for girls' friendships. So if you feel like you have to be amazing at everything you do, what often happens as a result is that girls believe that all of their friends are even more amazing than they are. In other words, you start to imagine that everyone around me is smarter, is getting better grades, is doing better on every count. And I hear this everywhere I go. Like girls say to me, I'm just convinced that I'm the only one who's not keeping up. And so as parents, part of how we talk back to those toxic messages is to say, listen, all of your friends are worried about keeping up. And the reason why you think everyone is doing better than you is because you don't feel like you're enough, which is how what the culture is trying to make you feel. And so we have to show them that their relationships matter and that they should not look at their friends as competition such that it makes their friendships poisonous. Um, because this, this, it really, the jealousy and the resentment that is unspoken that, and that I think is a direct result of these pressures can do terrible damage to one of the most important assets to a girl, which are her relationships. You know, Rachel, I'd love to hear what you would say to your teen daughters, even younger daughters, about the Me Too movement and Time's Up, because these are real concerns, and it's taken way too long for this to come to the surface. What what do you say? What advice do you have? Um, Well, I think it's really important to actually first say that the Me Too movement has not really included girls. I mean, it's, and I think, to my great consternation, I, I actually wrote an article, I think it was on the Huffington Post, about the, my own kind of sense of um, irritation about that, because actually 68% of high school girls, according to a Department of Justice study, um, have reported being sexually harassed at least once at school. And so it's actually, I think, if anything, the first thing we need to say to girls is, I know this is happening also for younger girls. And even if the culture is talking about celebrities, you know, so kind of super rich and primarily white women, like I know this happens as young as middle school. Um, so first to acknowledge it's happening and second to say um, it's really important that people speak up. And I would also add that it's also really important that you value your voice. The reality is that there are some people who feel like they can speak up and there are other people who feel like their voices don't matter as much or they don't take their own voices seriously, which is a deeper issue. And so a really great thing to say to your daughter is, I want you to know that what you feel and see and think around you, all around you, what you see, what you experience, it matters. I believe whatever you want to tell me and I want you to believe in your own voice and your own right to speak up. That is important. We really do need to emphasize that. I heard that you created a program, Failing Well, at Smith College. Talk to us about that. 
Yeah, um, it was an initiative at, um, at Smith College where I work where I wanted to address this issue that I was kind of seeing around with students, and not just at Smith, but all over the country, which was um, a decline in comfort with failure. Because, And it made sense, right, because so many of them believed that they had to have these perfect college resumes in high school. And so they not they really didn't have the muscle for failing. So, like, for them, failure was this really disgusting, horrible thing to avoid, and yet they were very aware that it had compromised their bravery. And so I designed this series of, of experiences that were all about teaching different skills that help you fail well. So, for example, um, a lot of girls can be very self-critical after they experience a failure. So I taught them the practice of self-compassion, which is a research-backed uh, practice of being gentle with yourself after you screw up. And it, it, when I say research-backed, I mean there are scores of studies that point to the benefits of instead of beating yourself up, um, act telling yourself that, okay, something happened and you're still a worthy human being. Um, I taught classes about overthinking, which is when you kind of obsessively perseverate about something that didn't go well and how to deal with that. And so what I tried to convey and what I think all parents can convey to their daughters and sons is that the ability to fail well is not something that happens in a single moment. It's something that you have to set about to practicing over and over again, and it involves lots of different skills that you can practice and learn um, over time, and it's absolutely something everyone can learn to do. Oh, that's great. You know, earlier when we were talking about self-care and you said it's, you know, not eating a bunch of ice cream, what what would you say self-care is? Oh, well, I mean, first and foremost, I think one of the most important aspects of self-care is just asking for help, like seeking support, because so many high-achieving kids feel like they have to make it look effortless when they succeed. They worry that asking for help will make them be a burden to other people or make them appear incompetent. So actually, one of the greatest acts of self-care, and frankly, I think like affirmations of your self-worth, is to say, I need some help. Like, I can't do this all myself. Um, and in fact, I've noticed that a lot, of, a lot of young people will only ask for help when they are in a place of despair, at which point it's very hard to help them. So really encouraging, and by the way, modeling as parents your ability to seek support. Um, I also think things like taking a walk instead of using your phone. Instead of using your phone to blow off steam, by which I mean, you know, checking your Instagram, take a walk <laughs> or practice some breathing or exercise. Um, I'm a, sort of amazed at how many students believe that exercise is like an extra to their lives and it's not mission critical. Um, I, I'm constantly telling my college students, you need to look at exercise as a part of your work day and as a part of your work obligation because it makes you smarter and stronger. You know, in the book, you have some great interviews. What were some of the things that surprised you and some of the things where you were like, yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Um, I guess one of the things I'll tell you that really surprised me actually is that so many kids were unable to ask for help. Like, actually, the research shows that girls are better at asking for help than boys, but it turns out, like, not much better. So that was a big surprise because I think a lot of us think, oh, you know, my daughter is asking for help, right? But actually a lot of them do. Um, another surprise is how much time girls spend thinking about their bodies. So like perseverating about their bodies. So sitting in class and being like, you know, can people see my fat rolls in the middle of math class? 
such that like they can't concentrate, right? Or they're distracted, let's just say. And the number of times per day that girls find themselves distracted by thoughts about what they've eaten or not eaten or how they look or how other people look, um, that really blew me away. And so, um, and in terms of what didn't surprise me, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I'm always like, I think part of why I love my job is that I listen raptly to, to kids, <laughs> what kids have to say. And even things that maybe I knew before, I think when, when you hear girls talk about it, it always seems pretty fresh to me. And I would also say, like, as an adult, it's always good to take an attitude of um, trying not to be cynical about what you hear and to really take seriously what they have to say as their most important issue. Yeah, I agree. I know, guy, it breaks my heart about the look stuff. It really does. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I, I, I will say, I mean, I, I still find myself doing that too. Oh, me too. And I think it's, it's a product of, you know, I, I will tell you, I was recently skiing um, and I was going quite fast down a run. And um, I haven't said this publicly, but why not? I felt my stomach jiggle while I was skiing. Yeah. And I was so distracted by that, Lisa, that, like, I actually almost fell. And then after I thought about it, well, I didn't fall, but I thought about it and I thought, this is what girls go through, right? It's like, you can't, here I am doing this challenging ski run. And instead of focusing on getting down the mountain, I'm thinking about my stomach jiggling, like, I had a, such a moment of compassion for girls, and I think it's really important as adults that we connect with that because, honestly, as I said to you earlier, so many women come up to me and say, this book is about me. And the reality is, like, there isn't that much difference between our daughters and us. Yeah, that is for sure. No, I completely get that. Yeah, lately I've been really self-conscious of my arms because I haven't been able to work out as much because I got injured. And I'm like, what is this, like weird chub I've never had that and and honestly like I'll be going through my day and I'm like thinking about the weird chub on my arms I'm like what the mm-hmm. flip I don't want to be thinking yeah. about that weird chub on no my and it's arms. like it you know what it reminds me of it's like when I've taken an exercise class and I've gone into the um bathroom after and all the women are standing there you know doing their hair and doing their makeup and all the dudes have left and they're like already at work making money and I'm like so we're <laughs> standing here putting all this time into our appearance and those guys are out there making money and it's the same thing you're just kind of I mean I'm not saying men don't think about their appearance but my goodness I think we're doing it probably a lot more <laughs> don't even get me started on my poor size I'll spend like three hours a day thinking about that okay it's not good. Rachel, you are fabulous. This has been so great. The book is Enough As She Is, How to Help Girls Move Beyond Impossible Standards of Success to Live Healthy, Happy, and Fulfilling Lives. Rachel, where can we find out everything about you and all your great stuff? Uh, well, please come to my website, rachelsimmons.com, and please find me on Facebook because I share a lot of content there, and I also have a special Facebook group called Changemakers for those um, educators, parents, and clinicians that are really interested in talking about the issues facing girls. So you can find that out at rachelsimmons.com slash changemakers. Terrific. Rachel, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Oh, it was a delight. If people want to learn more about the shows that I do, you can go to itsyourhealthwithlisadavis.com, find Talk Healthy Today, Talk Fitness Today, and more. You can also find me on Twitter at Health Media Gal, the number one, and at Talk Healthy, the number two day. Thank you so much for listening and stay well.